So Malaysia will make reasonable efforts to continue the search for MH370 in cooperation with China and Australia, says Data Sri Dr. Wee Ka Siong. Now, Malaysia is also wishing for a closure by locating the missing aircraft and finding answers behind the mystery. Yesterday was the seventh year anniversary since MH370 went missing. And with recovery efforts stalled, what is Malaysia, China and Australia's stand on restarting the search? I think uh, it's, it's very clear from how uh, the search, the efforts to uh, for the recovery of MH370. Uh, in 2017, I believe, uh, the then government, China, Australia and Malaysia government have chose uh, to stop active search pending new evidence. Uh, in fact, in 2018, actually, uh, the company in charge of uh, the search and recovery also actually did another search, but also uh, I think the, the radius was about more than 100,000 uh, square kilometers uh, in the South Indian Ocean. And I think uh, the, the search went on for about four months, which is started in, in January and concluded in May, and they have, have not found anything uh, that point uh, towards. And I, I understand that this is a very tough topic to be talking on because uh, we understand the next of kin really wants uh, closure on this and we hope that uh, really uh, big evidence uh, could turn up soon uh, so that we could at least help the, the, the search and recovery uh, to actually pinpoint uh, where they can search. And as far as uh, the, the Minister of Transport has made it clear, they, they have not uh, let up on the search. I mean, it's not case closed, but they're just keeping an eye on it until a more uh, credible evidence turn up. When we're talking about credible evidence, what exactly are we hoping to find? I mean, after so many years, you know? If you ask me, uh, I'm not sure, but I think what the authorities are looking for is that maybe a piece of the fuselage or a black box. box, Something that is so big that, okay, this is from MH370 and they can zero in on that search. Because otherwise, I, I, I'm not interested to talk about theories and, you know, you can speculate all you want mm. about where uh, the plane is, but you really need something that is clear before searching. Because, I mean, every time you hear about something new that came up, uh, I'm sure the family members feel a wave of emotion and hoping that is this particularly the time uh, that they get to find in history 70 and, and it's very frustrating that time after time after time that you know it, it ends up with nothing so I think uh, it is it is it is vital to keep an eye don't 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 close uh, the case uh, the clearly the approach by these three countries are correct uh, they're keeping an eye on it and waiting until something big. As far as what that something big is, I think I'm not a correct person to be yeah. telling like what the big thing is. Rich Finance Minister Senator Tunku Dato Sri Zaiful Abdul Aziz said his ministry had set six main targets for 2021 to alleviate the burden faced by the people and revive the country's economy. His ministry is focusing on creating 500,000 new job opportunities with the setting up of the National Employment Council. There were so many people losing their jobs due to the pandemic. This sounds like a great step forward. Um, but being in the planning stages, how soon can we expect this to start, especially since the people are really in need of this like today? Yes, exactly. I mean, that's the main concern, right? If you look at the unemployment rate in 2020, it was uh, 4.5%. In fact, uh, if you look just at December, it's at 4.8%, which is, if I'm not mistaken, it's, it's, a, it's a 27-year high for Malaysia. And if you were to look back at, at how far back uh, we've had unemployment rate, at least we have to look at 1993. Mm-mm. And I was a toddler at that particular time. So it is really bad. But the thing about 
this particular initiative, the National Empl- Employment Council, I think it, it encapsulates how tough it is to actually uh, to actually create jobs. Because when, when we talk about uh, government creating jobs, uh, actually it's, it's not in the government should not be creating jobs. Right. Uh, government should actually uh, facilitate, uh, create the best uh, platform, create policies that, that actually uh, boost uh, job creation. So um, there are two schools of thoughts uh, when it comes to this. Of course, uh, I mean, I, I believe uh, one of the, I would say, uh, suggestions uh, from the government uh, is, of course, to do a jobs guarantee program. Uh, of course, there are a lot of people saying yes and no uh, to it because jobs guarantee program means the government actually have to fork more money mm. out on top of what, you know, the, the current situation they are facing just to create jobs. Of course, the other uh, school of thought is, of course, talking about how uh, you are incentivizing uh, companies, incentivizing uh, industries, or removing certain uh, policies that are deemed to be uh, not uh, job creation friendly in order to to, to boost or kickstart the creation of jobs. Of course, uh, right now, yes, uh, the finance minister are just outlining uh, the KPIs. Uh, We've yet to see the impact. But I think what uh, the government can do in terms of uh, making this fast is start changing some of the policies so that the sectors are, will start to create jobs. And and this, of course, is directly uh, tied to how uh, the government is approaching in its uh, public health program. Uh, and what I'm talking about here is, of course, uh, the uh, movement control order. Mm. So uh, by allowing industries to reopen and, and giving room to breathe, uh, mm-hmm. you are actually creating demand and letting the economy uh, to flow back in and this would in turn uh, probably would not create 500,000 jobs but I, I guess would would start creating jobs. It will start to trickle in and hopefully by the middle of uh, this year we can actually uh, say that we are on the road to recovery. The Health Ministry has detected eight new COVID-19 clusters in the past 24 hours. Five of them involved workplaces, two from detention centres and one from the community. Havis, do you think we went from the second MCO to CMCO too quickly? In my opinion, I think if we were to look back at the past four weeks before, I mean, KL, and I'm speaking about uh, Klang Valley uh, entering the CMCO, we've seen it's already a form of CMCO because you've seen a lot of sectors are opening up. Uh, you know, people can go back to restaurants and sitting in there and dine in. It doesn't already feel like MCO. I feel like it's a natural progression from mm. MCO to CMCO. Of course, um, the issue here is that the clusters are reappearing again. Uh, workplace clusters, etc., etc. But I believe I think at this point in time, uh, with the, the, our economy has bled too much, or metaphorically speaking. Uh, the past year has been uh, very damaging. Uh, we can't afford to go back to what it, it used to be. I mean, uh, when I say what it used to be, is, is the first edition of MCO, or what, what we call as the MCO 1.0, where you know cars are not on the road. I remember last year when I was going to work, I'm probably the only one yes, yes. from my area going to yeah. work. Dead yeah. silent, and, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. And and now it's already, uh, I mean, the jam, the traffic jams have mm. returned, uh, the traffic police have returned. So, so I don't see, I, I mean, everything is is, is going back to usual. Whether too quickly, well, for me, it's a natural progression and what's important now is to ensure that whoever, I mean, everyone who is involved in this to just uh, fine-tune their SOP, refine their SOPs so that we can keep the local transmissions uh, at a very, very minimal level 
because we want the R not uh, the rate of infect- to infectivity mm. to be low because we want to be you know facing less cases and less cases as yeah. the days I mean it's, it's that thing of sort of expecting more clusters to come up because that's naturally what's going to happen because that's the pattern that has been happening but it's how that's contained and how that looks like once uh, people are vaccinated as well vaccinated sorry that's the correct term vaccinated that will, will change the landscape of what's ultimately going to happen you know whether you keep everyone in MCO or or, or CMCO or, or different. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, how do we keep on uh, doing this? Because it's still pretty much a marathon. It's not, it's not a sprint. Mm. So uh, businesses, sectors, everyone involved, workplaces, uh, companies, everyone have to just ensure that uh, their SOPs are well-maintained, well-tuned, fine-tuned. We can reduce the likelihood of clusters from happening because economies have to be reopened because otherwise the damage will be far too bad. As we've spoken previously uh, in the previous uh, segment, we spoke about the unemployment rate. Uh, This is directly tied to that. We need to let our economy to operate. Police are investigating a scam involving the sale of COVID-19 vaccines. Today, two police reports were lodged after victims occurred losses amounting to over $285,000 ringgit, ringgit yeah. right? Um, that's an incredible amount. I had to just slow down when I was looking at that figure yeah. going, is this right, JD? Did you put the dot in the right place? It's the right one, yeah. Obvious with vaccines free from the government, why are Malaysians falling victim to this scam? I mean, that's the question, right? If it's free, why bother buying? I think it's the whole timeline thing, right? If you're a business owner uh, or if you're a business traveler, if you're owning companies or if you're a, a tourism operator you are further down the line because right now we're just we're just talking about maybe we just crossed uh, 10% in terms of vaccine registration uh, less than that in fact more than just more than 100,000 have been vaccinated so um, a lot of people are actually thinking about how do we uh, circumvent uh, this queue because it's a very very long queue we're talking about 25 million Malaysians <laughs> in the queue and if you're healthy if you're not within the age group, it's unlikely for you to get the vaccine uh, within the next three months. So uh, any crumble of hope of try uh, of you know someone say that oh I might have a vaccine mm. uh, maybe you buy this sort of anxiety is fueling those um, right. people who got tricked into this scam because everyone want the vaccine because it means that okay life kind of get back to normal if mm. you have the vaccine although that's not necessarily true uh, but. That's why this this vaccine has as such become a hot commodity that people are actually uh, getting into the black black market and and trying to swindle people into like okay you know buy this vaccine and you should your life will get back to normal and and I think that is why uh, people get tricked into it it's just the anxiety yeah I think it's um it makes sense in the sense that when the world starts opening up for travel you need that in this in your special passport don't you to have say that you've had the vaccine yeah. um and so I would imagine that comes into play otherwise businesses can't can't carry but it's on it's such a Malaysian thing to want to jump queue isn't it <laughs> it's not just Malaysian you know it's happening in other countries too impatient people right. people desperate for their businesses not to shut down Hafiz for us to be aware what is the official protocol for Malaysians before they receive the vaccine I'm going to talk about the other options before talking about the main one the other options of course there's hotline uh, available you can check it uh, from the KKM website uh, Mosty website the ministry's website and uh, of course if you don't want to call a hotline you can go to the local uh, clinic kesihatan and, and, and register yourself 
yourself there, uh, which is basically uh, where you're going to get the, your vaccines in the first place as well, uh, mm. is from your local uh, clinic kesihatan. They'll be able to give you the best information, official information about what to do. Uh, of course, I'm sure most of us uh, who are listening to this uh, are, are in fact in possession of the My Sejahtera app. And I'm sure a lot of things uh, have been spoken about the app in terms of registering and, and dates. Uh, when is the date you've been registered? The Immunization Minister, uh, Kyrie have, have assured us that uh, at the back end, whenever you registered, uh, it will be in the back end of the app, of, although it may show in your, in your app, in your current app on your screen, yeah. that you are registered on a different date. But at the end of the day, it, they will only uh, take when you first registered. So so in my case, I've registered on the first day itself. Uh, but in my app, it shows that I'm registered on 4th of March. I mean, if you're facing some kind of similar uh, situation, don't worry. Uh, the minister has said that the first time you registered is where it matters. The Human Resources Ministry, KSM, has directed the Department of Occupational Safety and Health to conduct an investigation to identify the cause of the incident at the Sungai Besi Uluklang Elevated Expressway construction project in which two women mm. were killed. How would the findings of this kind of investigation potentially change what practices are currently being used? It's a very discouraging thing to say this, but I think it's going to be pretty much of the same uh, in terms of what, what kind of findings. And if we were to look into this particular case uh, is actually uh, is basically human negligence uh, a driver alleged uh, to be on I mean I believe his urine uh, test came out positive uh, believed to be in driving under the influence of drug a crash into uh, a part of the scaffolding which caused the structure to fall uh, so technically it's not really uh, I mean, it's not really as the operator's fault or the contractor's fault. It's more of a human negligence thing. I think in terms of the procedures, I think, I don't know. When I hear you ask this question, I was wondering, like, why why haven't they developed, like, some kind of metal net to be placed at this place, you know? Yeah. Like a mesh. Yeah. Because they've done that for bodies, haven't they? That's how Yes, they, yes. Yeah. So, so I, I think it can be done. Uh, whether it will be done, I don't know. Whether we have the resources in terms of money or in terms of technology. But I'm sure, I'm sure some sort of technology exists there. And I'm sure um, when I speak here, I'm sure uh, Dosh, Nayosh always wants what's the best and they've always have to balance everything you know, the cost effectiveness uh, how will the people complain if they were to just block off the road, you mm. know uh, traffic system etc they have a lot of considerations yeah. but what I'm hoping that it's good that we're talking about things like this right because we want we want for it to be better so uh, we, we want solutions and that is what I'm expecting we want solutions to I wouldn't say prevent 100% but at least prevent loss of life you know lesson, so at least yeah. even if there's accident you know it's just loss of properties cars yes. because yes. you, you kind of want to think as a motorist I don't know whether I'm being silly in this but you know you've got this structure that's built by the side of you on the road uh, that's carrying another road over it or whatever it is and that it can withstand an accident on that sort of lower level in, in a way. Do you know what I mean? Because accidents, yes. you know, have happened before and contractors have been fined and incidents occur again and, you know, it's kind of like do penalties need to be harsher for change to happen or do we need to take a look at the load-bearing um, structures themselves and see how we can, you know, change those to work better? I think at the end of the day uh, it's basically our safety policy. The authorities have to come up with the best and most strict policies to ensure that the safety of the not just people who are working at construction site but people who are going through. I, I, I totally can relate to what you just said. If you ask me which one should we 
pay more attention on rather than the penalties I, I, I would prefer for us to focus on policy and, and mm. making sure our policies are airtight you know making sure that everyone is safe whether working on the side that, that is the most important